Now let's just take a moment and pray, okay? Father, thank you for this day. We, we've had some fun. It's been a light moment. But now for the next few minutes, we want to focus on your word and open our hearts to what you want to say to us today. So I ask you right now, prepare our hearts, open up our hearts that you can speak your truth into our lives. And we'll thank you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. A few moments ago, I <clears throat> talked about how proud we are of our dads. Dads are important, especially in today's world, today's society in which we live. Dads are really important. And if I could say this, and, and I, I say this respectfully but honestly today, so I'm not trying to be uh, harsh or, or being a smart aleck, but uh, there is a lot of craziness in our world today. There is a lot of craziness, crazy ideas in our world. And our world needs godly men, godly husbands, godly fathers. And I want to I share some statistics that I was looking at this week. It talks about the problem we have in our society with homes without dads. So listen to these numbers. The 2021 U.S. Census Bureau report revealed that over 18 million children live in fatherless households. In our nation right now, 18 million children have no father in their lives. That's approximately 20% of all fathers. In other words, one of five fathers in America is not involved in any way in his kids' lives. That's a problem. Households without fathers are four times more likely to live in poverty. Infant mortality rates are two times higher in fatherless homes. Children of fatherless households are two times more likely to drop out of school. And that doesn't mean high school. Oftentimes it even means junior high. Teen pregnancy rates are higher in fatherless homes. Children lacking interaction with their father early in life are likely to develop behavioral problems. Adolescents from fatherless homes are more likely to commit crimes. Children growing up without a father are two times as likely to commit suicide. Think about that one. 90% of unhoused and runaway children in America, 90% of unhoused and runaway children in America come from fatherless homes. 80% of all rapists with anger issues were raised in fatherless households. 70% of America's youth who are living in state-run institutions come from fatherless homes. 72%, I want to give you two numbers to close with, so listen here. 72% of America's population believes that fatherless homes are the biggest social problem in our country today. And I agree with that. But here's the other number. 43% of fathers in America don't consider their role to be significant in their child's personal identity. And we wonder why so many children today are struggling with their identity. Oftentimes it's because of 
missing dads. As I said earlier, our world needs godly men, godly husbands, godly fathers. So today, I, I want to share the next few minutes. And it is Father's Day. I know a lot of you have plans. And I'm going to be mindful of your time today. We have some things planned after service as well for dads. So uh, I'm going to share three basic responsibilities of a godly father. Three basic responsibilities of a godly father. Now, I could do an entire sermon on each one of these points, but I'm going to be short and combine a lot of things today and move quickly. So I'm going to ask you to stay with me. We're going to look at two different passages of Scripture and read there, but I'm going to refer to a lot of Scripture today. Number one, the first responsibility of a godly father is the responsibility of leadership. Our families, our homes, our marriages need men to be godly leaders and provide leadership for their family. What does a leader do? A leader leads where we need to go. It's a dad's responsibility to carry leadership in his home. If you take the time this morning, and I'm going to refer, for, refer to a couple of minutes here, from Genesis 3 and also Galatians 5. In these passages, God lays out a little bit of the responsibility of a man in our world. And in the home and marriage especially. But if you go back to Genesis 3, you find the story of the fall of man, where man fell into sin. And real quickly, to just tell you what Scripture says, it says the serpent came and tempted Eve and deceived her, told her lies, she believed him. Eve ate of this fruit, she gave it to her husband Adam, and then the sin brought the fall of man. And when God came into the garden... Adam and Eve ran to hide in fear. So God begins to talk with them and have a conversation, asking, why are you hiding? Where you been? And they begin to say, well, we realized we were naked and we ran to hide ourselves. And then out of that story, God begins to speak first to the serpent and he curses the serpent. And then he turns to Eve and said, you sinned and brought this to your husband. And then he announced what would happen in her, to her and in her lifetime and to all women. And then he also announced the curse that would be upon Adam in his labor. Now, you, you can't deny anything about what God has said because if God says it, it's the truth. So we see what God said. But out of this, we realize that when God began to talk about family and home and what's going on in the world... God looked at man and said, Adam, you take the lead. It is now your responsibility to be the leader of what's going on in the earth, beginning with your family and your home. Now, let me dive into this a little deeper because this, this is a big subject. We, we talked to our staff not too long ago about this topic. People today in our world struggle, and we always have, but more so than ever before, people today struggle with the idea of authority. Authority is leadership. God delegates authority from heaven to the earth. And if you know your Bible, you know about this. If you don't know your Bible, you may not know this, so I'm going to tell you a little bit about it today. God said to Adam, it is now your responsibility 
to lead your family in a right direction, to make sure these kind of things don't happen anymore, to bring godliness, holiness into the family, the home, the marriage, into family lifestyle. It is now your responsibility. You see, we struggle with this, but I want, before I get into the teaching here, I want you to know when this order is lost, when a man fails to take the role of the leader of his home and his family, what the home and the family produces becomes confused, misguided, dysfunctional, and oftentimes broken. Men, you are important to God and you are important to your family. God wants you to lead. It's okay to be the leader of your home. God said you need to be there. And it's interesting. I look across the room and a lot of women are clapping. All the men ought to be saying, yeah, that's a good one, Pastor Gary. Thank you. We need to be leaders in our homes. Now, let me talk about authority for a couple minutes. There's a lot of controversy about authority. There always has been. And there's a lot of misunderstanding, especially among church people, about the word authority. Because in our world, we tend to see authority as power and domination and dominion. But the truth of the matter is, the word authority simply means responsibility. Now, you can use authority in a wrong way, but it will come back to bite you. It will hurt you. Authority means responsibility. God says here, I give you responsibility to lead and to lead in the right direction. This is your job. Every dad in the house, in your family, in your marriage, in all that you do, you have a responsibility to lead into godliness. That's part of our calling. We wait for others to show us the way and lead the way. God wants you to lead the way. But see, we're confused about authority because we tend to view authority from the bottom up rather than seeing as God sees from the top down. You see, God has delegated authority over marriage and home and family to men. Scripture says we're the head of the house, the head of the marriage, the head of the wife even. And I know so you say, well, I don't like that. I'm sorry. It's not my idea. It's God's idea, okay? I can take you to the scripture and I can read it and I can quote it. So it's there. God says, it is your responsibility to lead. Lead the marriage, lead the family, lead the home. Jesus one day talking to his disciples. You know, maybe I'll just preach the whole point one today and that's as far as I go. Maybe we won't get to two and three. No, just kidding. I'll not do that. Y'all are quiet for first service today. What is wrong? See, Jesus talks to his disciples one day, and they're trying to figure out, well, who's going to be the greatest? And so Jesus says, you know, the kingdoms of this world, everybody's striving to be the, the top guy, to be the greatest. He said, in the kingdom of God, it's not that way. You don't strive to be the greatest. You strive to serve, and by you serving, you become great in your lifetime. And see, in our world today, it's, I mean, who made you the boss? You're not the boss of me. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Everybody's got a boss. If you don't think there's authority in this life, you wait till this life is over, you will answer to God for the way you've lived. It's that simple. 
And throughout life, the way we lead as fathers, it produces things in the families. God has delegated authority, responsibility to men to lead their homes. So authority brings the responsibility of leadership. Now, let me, let me say this before I move on to the next part of this. There's a big difference between a man saying to his wife, I'm the boss, and a man saying to his wife, I'm going to lead us in a godly direction. It's two different things. If you understand authority correctly, it's responsibility, and you answer to God someday for how you lead, and how you lead produces good or bad in your home and your family and your children. If you understand that, you will take that seriously and do your best to be a godly leader. That's God's call in our lives. Now, I talked about Ephesians 5. Let me just refer to a couple things. As a husband and a father, Scripture says we are to lead and create order. What does a leader do? He creates structure and order. Now, I'm going to give all the women something to amen about here. Most of us pastors just... Just try to stay away from some of those verses in Ephesians 5 because people don't want to hear it today. Paul wrote these words. He said, wives, submit yourself to your husbands. Well, he can, cause he can submit to me. I'm not submitting to him. See, we, we misunderstand what Scripture is saying. God is saying, the word submit means to give yourself over to an orderly arrangement. God is saying, wives, give yourself over to the godly leadership of your husband. Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, you don't know my husband. You married him. Get over it, okay? <laughs> Next week, I'll talk about wives, and we'll all laugh some more, okay? But here's the thing. It's the husband's responsibility when he marries a wife to establish, to lead, to carry the responsibility of establishing guidelines and relationship for a family where two people become one flesh. Every marriage will be a little different because you have two different people coming from two different backgrounds, two different places, and oftentimes husband and wives are opposites in, very, in every way, but it's the husband's responsibility to provide an order for that home that the wife can grow in, can be comfortable in, and can flourish and be a godly woman. That's a man's responsibility. Hey, every woman in the house ought to be screaming amen right now. See, I tell, I tell men the truth, and then you don't amen me. Yeah, wait. See, you're to give yourself over to an orderly arrangement. Therefore, it is the husband's responsibility to work with you and communicate with you and build a marriage that is healthy for both of you. Amen. Then, it's also a responsibility of a husband to serve his wife and his family. I don't mean serve dinner or, or you know, serve dessert or serve this. I mean to serve them by providing leadership in that home. But we also serve by protecting our wives and our families. That's scriptural. We're to be a protector. We're also 
to love our wives as Christ loved the church. That's a big one. Which, if we sum that up in a word, we need to be the savior of our family, our marriage, our home. We lay down our lives for the good of their lives. I'm the boss. No, you're not. You're the servant. That comes with leadership and authority. Everybody smile at me today, okay? If you stop smiling, I'll know you're upset with me, okay? And it, well, I don't want you to be upset with me. I want you to be happy with me. So that's first responsibility. God has given to men the responsibility of leadership. I'm telling you, ladies, it's okay to let your husband lead in a godly direction. Men, it's your responsibility to lead in a godly direction. Leadership. Number two, it is the responsibility of husbands, men, fathers, to give the family spiritual identity. Well, this is something that's really been lost in the church world, especially when it comes to our children. Dads, we need to be giving our children spiritual identity, who they are in Christ Jesus. Now, let me read this to you. Exodus chapter 12. We're going to look at some verses. I'm going to skip around a little bit. They'll be on the screen. God is about to liberate Israel from the bondage of Egypt. So the last thing God does after all the plagues, he, he brings the death angel to pass over Egypt and to pronounce judgment on every home. But he tells Moses, here's what I want you to do, Moses. I want you to tell the men of Israel to go to their homes and provide protection over them. Give them spiritual identity. I'm going to read the story. Here's what it says. Verse 7 of Exodus 12. Moses says, and they shall take some of the, or God says, and they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the households where they eat it, where they eat the Passover lamb. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Notice verse 21. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Pick out and take lambs for yourselves according to your families and kill the Passover lamb. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop. It was a brushy weed, if you will. Dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. Now, I want you to see this. God said judgment is about to fall on Egypt. And God says, I want to separate you from the Egyptians. You've lived among them. You've become their slaves. Your lifestyle, your culture is intertwined. You're now worshiping some of their gods. I want to draw a line of separation. So God says, everybody needs to kill this Passover lamb, every family. And then men, leaders of homes, you are responsible to go in and to dip something in the blood and 
put it on the doorposts of your house and the piece that goes over the top of the door, the lentil, splash the blood, paint the blood over the door of your house. And when the death angel passes over, you'll be protected from that. What God was saying was, the angel needs to be able to identify who belongs to God and who doesn't belong to God. And so Moses receives this commandment, but he tells the leaders of Israel, it is your responsibility to tell all the families, Dad, you need to put the blood over the door of the house. Now, I'm a firm believer. Well, you're a pastor. No, I'm just a man trying to follow God. Pastor's my calling. It's a gift God's put on my life. But first of all, I'm a follower of God. And I believe, according to Scripture, it is my responsibility as a father and as a grandfather to tell my children and my grandchildren, Jesus is Lord over my house. Jesus is the name above all names in my house. That's my job. We are followers of Jesus, You don't raise your children saying, well, someday you're going to become an adult. You've got to figure out which religion you want because they all go to the same place. Scripture says that's a lie. It's not true. And we need to tell our children that and raise them to know there's only one thing that protects us from judgment, and that is the blood of Jesus Christ. Paul said he is our Passover lamb. A lot of churches today don't teach that and don't believe that anymore. I can show it to you in Scripture. They need to be teaching. They need to be sharing it too. Jesus' blood protects our homes and our families. I get a little bit excited here about this. Dad, you need to get a paintbrush and paint the blood of Jesus all over the door of your house and say, we are a Christian family. We are following Jesus. We don't worship any other gods here, and we don't take in the the names of any other gods. We follow Jesus. This is our identity. Your children need to learn when they're little. We are followers of Jesus. We are Christians. Our lives are committed to God. They need to know that from the time they're children. This is good this morning. We need to mark our homes for God. And you see, when they put the blood on the doorpost and the lentil, it marked that family for God to protect them from judgment. It also marked their consciences that they knew they were safe in life. No matter what happens, we're safe because of the blood of Jesus. And it also gave them boldness to approach God as their father because they know that Jesus Christ paid the price to bring them into relationship with God. And we don't need to run from God. We need to run to God because he's our savior and our protector. That's dad's job. The blood becomes a wall of protection around us. The wall of separation between us and the world. We are marked by the blood of Jesus. This morning, I want to share a simple thought. I read a report this week about a study that was done by Oxford University Press. And this study has been going on over 40 years, over four decades, studying 300 plus families, taking in 3,000 people over 40 years. And they've talked about what's happened in America with church attendance. We have a good church. You all are faithful to God's house. And I want to say thank you. But 
Really, it's between you and God, but it's your commitment to him and his work. But if you don't know this, church attendance and faith in America has shrunk over the last 40 years. And in all their studies, they identified two things that were bringing people from the next generation away from church or pushing people away from church. Those people who no longer valued church and church attendance, two things made them move in that direction. Number one, their fathers had no spiritual involvement in their lives. Number two, broken homes and broken families. Those two things were the major causes of a fall in attendance from generation to generation in God's house. I'm only going to address the first one today. Men, children need to learn their spiritual identity from us. I know what happens in our world today. Well, I'm the breadwinner. I'm out doing all the hard work. My wife's doing all that stuff. That's not your wife's job. That's your job. I know this is heavy. I know that some people, jeez. Pray with your kids. Tell them Bible stories. If you can't do it, buy a devotional book. There's thousands of them out there. Go on Amazon. They're there. Can you imagine that? A company like Amazon will sell you Bible study books for your kids. They'll even deliver it to your door. Sometimes you can get it 20% off, free delivery. Get a tool to help your children understand we are followers of Jesus. This is our identity. And then number three, the last part of the message. Some of you are ready to cheer now. Deuteronomy chapter 6. This also comes from the Old Testament. It's principles about godliness. The third responsibility is establishing boundaries. Establishing boundaries for your family. We personally need boundaries and guardrails in our lives. Because they keep us out of trouble. They keep us on the road. We also need boundaries and guidelines for our marriages and our families and our homes. We need them. Dad, it's your responsibility to keep guidelines. As the leader of your home, with the responsibility on you, it's also one of your responsibilities to help bring guidelines to the home. Deuteronomy chapter 6 Boy, this is so important, and I hope people can understand it today. God is trying to establish something to help us understand how we lead the next generation. We are a multi-generational church. We are looking to every generation because we don't want to be a one-generation wonder. We want to keep this thing going from generation to generation to generation. Here's what the Lord says. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. There's one God, there's only one God. There aren't two gods or seven gods or nine gods. There is one God and it's our God. Verse five, you shall love the Lord the God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Isn't it interesting? It's kind of like God says, you need to be talking about my laws all the time. 
my boundaries, my guidelines, my guardrails for your life and your home and your family. You need to be talking about it with your kids all the time. They need to learn it from you. Read on a little further. Verse 8. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. See, God said, dads, it's your responsibility to establish my principles as the guardrails and the guidelines for your home and your family. It's your responsibility. God's principles need to rule our homes. They need to be our boundaries. With all that we do, we need to ask ourselves the question, what is acceptable to God? What does God say about this? What does God think about this? I've told this story a few years ago. In 2001, the first time I ever went to Africa, there was a, a man on the trip. He wasn't a pastor, wasn't in full-time ministry, but he was very involved in his local church. Had three or four teenage daughters and one son. He showed me a picture of his family. He had these beautiful teenage daughters. And then jokingly one day I said to him, how do you keep the boys away from them? And he got real serious. He looked at me and he said, I'll tell you how I do it. From the time my girls were little, I taught them I am the door to my house. Nothing and nobody comes in my house unless I say so. I know what they bring into the house. I know what they're reading. I know what they're listening to. I know what they're watching. I know everything about my daughters, and I know everything that is brought into my house because God has given me the responsibility of being the door to my house. And he said, when a young man comes to my house to see my daughter, he knocks on the front door. I meet him on the front porch. I interview him for a few minutes, and I decide whether or not he's worthy of coming into my house. And if he's not, I tell him, you get away and don't ever talk to my daughter again. Well, you can't do that today. That's child abuse. No, that's a man standing up and taking the responsibility God's given to him. Let me tell you something. I don't care, and, and I'm not a smart aleck about this, okay? I'm, I'm not a crazy nut, but I want you to listen to me. I, I understand the authority that God has put in our leaders in the land, but when the authorities of our land say, you're going to violate God's word, I tell the authorities of, God's, of, of the land, you know what? I'm not going to violate God's word. You can throw me in jail, but I'm standing on the word of God because God opens prison doors. God, God wants men to take that kind of stand for their families. If we don't, What's going to happen to our children? What's going to happen if we don't give them guidelines? Dad, say this. I am. You bunch of wimps. <laughs> I know. <laughs> if you don't know me, I may have offended you. If you know me, you're laughing, okay? <laughs> say this. I am. The door to my house. Wives, say this. He is, come on you wimps, you're being the wimps now, come on. He is the door to my house. That's his responsibility. That's his responsibility. So Moses was told by God, you tell them to take my laws and let my laws Govern their house. He said, as a matter of fact, hang them on the gate so nobody even gets in the yard. If they're not going to abide by the boundaries, they don't enter the house. And, and here's what I love. I'm, I'm almost finished. 
God said, you shall teach them diligently to your children. The word diligent means to point. It's not like this. Okay, sweetie, I'm going to teach you something today. It's like this. I have something to say and you need to listen to me today. You point. Emphatically. I have something important to say. And here's how we teach. We teach with words and we teach by example. It is true, what we do speaks so loudly that sometimes people can't hear anything we're saying. We teach by word and we teach by example. And God said, bind them as signs on your hands. In other words, everything that you do, it's an act of godliness. It's an act of righteousness. He said, put it as little boxes, tie them around your head so right between your eyes it sits right there. So everything you look at in life, you're looking at it through the word of God and not through the ideas of society. Society today is confused. Society is crazy. Satan is running rampant in our nation today and the only thing that's gonna stop the attack on the family is godly men standing up and saying, "Uh uh-uh, these are the rules of the house. That's the only thing that's gonna stop it. If you saw what happened at the White House this week, there's not enough common sense in the White House to stop this. It's going to take men understanding. Legislation doesn't stop it. Godliness stops it. That's the only thing that's going to stop it. I hope second service likes me. Thank you. All, All of our actions should represent God's word. Doorposts and gates, boundaries. One of the Ten Commandments, and remember, Paul said the law of God simply points out our sin. It doesn't make us righteous, it points out our sin. One of the Ten Commandments is children obey your parents. Who do you think is going to teach that to children? He was, God didn't give that commandment to say, okay, you kids, this is for you too. You need to obey them. God was saying, Men, you need to be responsible to teach your children respect. Let me tell you something. One of the reasons why we have so many people incarcerated today is because there was never a father in the home teaching them authority. Children need to learn authority from their fathers. Responsibility. What separates us from the world is our faith, what we believe, and our lifestyles, how we live what we believe. Sometimes you can say one thing and live differently. We need to live what we say. We cannot separate our faith from our lifestyles. Because my lifestyle really does declare what I truly believe. You know, Jesus taught about security at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. He said, you can build your house on my words and your house is safe. You can neglect my words, ignore them, not build on my word, and when the storms come, they'll destroy your house. God's word is important for us. Finally, the very last thing. Joshua came down to the end of his life, and in his last address to the people of Israel, when they'd settled into the promised land, he kind of gave the history of what God had done from Egypt all the way to the promised land, then he said this. You need to choose today who you're going to serve. 
And Joshua recognized every house is going to have its own boundaries, its own rules. Every house has the freedom to make their own choices. You see, authority is only established by choice. You choose to honor authority or you choose to reject it. Joshua knew that, but he said this. You choose today who you're going to serve. But as for me and my house, if you're living under my roof and within my four walls, we are going to serve the Lord. We need dads to take that stand today. I want to pray for every dad. Every dad. Everybody bow your heads if you would. If you're watching online and you're a dad, I want to pray for you today. Father, I thank you for dads. It's a tough job today. We're being attacked from every angle by society, trying to diminish our importance, trying to diminish our role and even take our role away from us. But I pray for every man in this room today that they would understand these three simple things. It's okay to rise up and be the leader. God's given us that responsibility. It's okay to teach our family and our children about godliness because marking our family, bringing spiritual identity. It's part of our responsibility. And it's okay to establish boundaries for our home. Say, yes, this is okay. No, this is not. That's a part of our responsibility. God, I pray today that the sincerity with which I've spoken to this congregation would be received and understood and embraced by every man. Father, I pray for every wife here that you would give her the grace to let her husband lead and you would give every husband the grace to listen to his wife and build a family that honors you. Father, I ask all of this today in Jesus' name. Bless our families, bless our children and use us to bring that blessing into our homes in Jesus' name. While heads are still bowed, one last prayer. Maybe you're here today and maybe you're realizing I need God in my life and I've never really opened my life to him. I want to pray a prayer for you and with you that'll help open that door. You just wrap your heart around this prayer today and ask God to get involved in your life and I promise you he'll respond to your heart today. I want to pray this prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every person hearing this today. God, as we open our hearts to you, we declare that we need Jesus. We need your help. We believe Jesus is the Son of God. We believe he died for our sins, was raised from the dead. We accept Jesus as Savior, full payment for our sins, to bring us into relationship with you. We embrace Jesus as our Savior. We want to learn your ways. We want him to be the Lord of our lives, and we give our lives to you today. Become our Lord. Father, teach us your ways and we will follow you all the days of our lives. From this day forward, you're our Father. You're our Father. And we're your children in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. If you prayed that prayer, this is very important I do this. I can do it quickly. If you prayed that prayer, it's the most important prayer you ever pray. Open your heart to God, but it's just the beginning of the journey. It's not the end. We want to give you a little booklet called The Next Seven Days. It's simple reading for the next week to get you started walking with God, help you understand what this relationship's all about. 
When service is over, we'll have prayer teams at the front of the building. They're here to pray with anyone for any need. If you just walk up to one of these teams and just say, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you, no strings attached. If you just want to get it and go, that's fine. If you're in a really big rush, out in the lobby, there's a counter set up right in the middle of the glass doors as you leave. You'll see a screen overhead, has a sign the next seven days. You can stop by there and say, can I get the booklet? Again, they'll give it to you, no strings attached. If you've got questions, you want prayer, any of these people can help you. We want to simply get you started walking with God today. Can we put our hands together and welcome new believers into God's family? God bless you. Now, I know some of you are in a rush, so give me just two minutes here and we'll be absolutely finished, okay? Every Sunday, we thank you for your faithfulness in giving. There are a number of ways in which you can give. We just want to say thank you. Our church is healthy. We're doing well because of faithful people who honor God with their giving. Thank you so much. We're moving forward, and God's blessing our church on every hand. We're making a difference in our world. Thank you for your giving today. If you're giving a, a physical gift in the house today, there are envelopes on the back of the seats. And on each side of the auditorium exit, there are boxes there, and there's one in the children's check-in area. You can do your giving right there. Thank you so much for your faithfulness today. God is good to us. We give back to honor him. Last thing, this is Father's Day. So we've got a gift for every dad, every dad that plays the role of a father in a household. We've got dad's root beer. And because it's a golfing theme today, we've also got Arnold Palmer's if you prefer that, all right? Also, out there in the area, if you're a golfer and you're interested, it's got to move quickly and it's going to start right now and happen fast. There's a golf simulator out there, and if you want to show off your golf swing, they're having a long drive contest. So you need to get out there quickly, get in line, because we got to roll in the next service in a little while. But that's going on out there, and uh, it's only for dads. It's not for kids, not for teens. It's only for men who've proven themselves. <laughs> Okay, so for all the dads, if you want to try that out, go on out there and enjoy it. Hey, dads, we love you. Happy Father's Day. Last thing, you got to call your dad today. If you do not see your dad, you call your dad today and tell him, Happy Father's Day, I love you. God bless you, we love you. Have a great, great week. <laughs>